and welcome back to the Thundergrads. I'm your host today, Haley Hurst, and I'm here with Michael Martin, an analyst, and we're so excited to jump into our last podcast of the season. How are you feeling, Michael, last podcast? This is, um, I'm happy. I'm sad. There's a lot of emotions. It's Cinco de Mayo. There's no <sighs> NBA games on today. It's, no, but it's you gotta a lot go get some tacos. What's your favorite Mexican food? You gotta pick one. Ooh, I love chicken tortilla soup. Like, it's just so good. It's always there. You know, if you want something light at a Mexican restaurant, you can always order that. But then, like, it warms you up inside. It makes you feel all light and fluffy. Super consistent. Yeah. You know what you're going to get. My sister can eat chicken tortilla soup all day. What's I'm, yours, Michael? I do more, like, enchiladas. Okay. I'm not a big enchilada girl myself. Are you somebody who likes guac or uh, queso or salsa? I love... Okay, what's funny is I don't eat cheese, but I can eat so much queso. It's ridiculous. But cheese on anything else, like, I refuse to eat. Do you ever get caught in the trap that they have at those restaurants where you eat so many like bites of chips and queso that you're like full before your meal even gets there i mean that's me more with chips and salsa i do love salsa more than i like queso but i try i'm trying to be better about that because like the sodium and all of it just makes my fingers swell so bad i didn't know that Mm -hmm. that that's a thing yeah too much sodium will make your fingers swell a new thing to be self-conscious about well speaking of cinco de mayo i know michael that you just started finals today at ou yeah didn't you have your first one too i did sadly but you know school year is closing we're starting to get our final grades and so that leads us into the thunders final grades from us you know here at finals week at ou we are about to receive all of our final grades to go home and so michael on a scale of a to f and you can give b pluses c minuses anything like that let's rank all of the thunder players based on early expectations versus how they ended up in the season obviously expectations were higher for some guys than others but we are so excited to jump into this so let's start out with shay yeah like you mentioned an a for shay doesn't mean it's the a for another guy is not even so we just got to balance that out for shay i had an a minus I thought that he had a really good um, end to the year. I thought he played solid at the beginning, and it kind of leveled out. But the expectations are so far high for him that you kind of have to like lower it a little bit, and that's why I give him an A-. minus. So he's still passing, still doing really good. Um, hopefully he can keep up that trajectory of how he played in this season, but um, I thought he had a good a good year all around. What about you? I gave Shay a C+. Plus. Wow! <laughs> I think we all know how I feel about Shay throughout this whole entire podcast, but first up, I need him to stop getting hurt, because when he was hurt I saw like a whole new team dynamic and then like when he wasn't hurt like that team dynamic kind of like went away that we saw without him so I want to see a little bit more consistency not just with him with the team Um, but Shea has so much potential to be a superstar in the league that can win multiple titles but you know he wasn't really available for OKC a lot this season and he also hasn't had you know the players that supported him to really show his true talent so I'm excited to see how he will do next year but I'm gonna give him a C plus just for being hurt and being a lot of a ball hog what does that average out to like a a b minus between our two grades yeah i mean i would give it what did you get an a A minus and then a c plus yeah i would give him like a b minus maybe even a b if we're feeling generous like a like an 84 two journalism majors doing math right now (laughs) that's what you get no it's not I, I guess that's fair. Um, some of the injury things that he set out is the Thunder just telling him, him uh, just being cautious. Yeah. They're going to sit him out. If it was up to him, I think he'd play a lot oh, more. Oh, absolutely. But I think that's fair. Um, next up, we got Derek Favors. This one's this one's a little <laughs> bit funny because the expectations are so low that I just gave him an A. I was like, you know what? It was almost like a pass-fail for him. I feel like the, the hard teacher right now, and I gave Derek F- Favors an F. Just to be blunt, he was a horrible center for OKC this year. He really showed what the biggest hole in their roster was and what we really hoped to fill in the lottery. Okay, well, I'll, I'll fight back here on this one for Derek okay. Favors. I, the number fight one me. Derek Favors stand right now. Um, I think that he had a good year because what was asked of him, he accomplished. He was a good veteran in the locker room. He was didn't complain about his minutes or his spots. He sat out the rest of the year, even while healthy, and he could have been really mad about that and caused a big scene, but he didn't. And he really just helped the guys on the roster get a lot better and understand their roles and grow. And it's really important for these guys in the NBA, especially with a team like the Thunder, who you have so many guys under 25, that they need a mentor and somebody in the NBA who can kind of show them the way and some of the, I guess, the 
um, potholes that are out there and the, their road to success to understand exactly what they need to do. I get from your standpoint of he didn't give them a lot of minutes, but Haley, this team is not trying to win. I know that. I just want them to win so bad. But I, I didn't look at it from your perspective, how you took it off the court and how you took it in the locker room. Um, so I would definitely have to reevaluate my F after, you know, learning all of that. But right now my F still stands. Okay. Next we move on to Giddy. Big smile on your face. Do you want to uh, go first since it's your guy or I mean, do you want me to go? Of course I gave him an A plus just because, you know, first season here, 19-year-old TikTok star really showed us what he can do in Oklahoma City of all places. I mean, I wish he stayed healthy all year. So I guess it's like in between an A and an A plus, but I give him more on an A plus because he was just a really good teammate. He could work with anyone. He worked with Shea, Baze, man. He was a really great team player throughout the year. And I think he also had a great presence in the locker room. And as such a strong young leader, I'm really excited to see what he'll do next year. I gave him an A as well, not an A plus. My, okay. my, I'm a little bit harder on Giddy than you. You're harder on everybody else. But yeah, with Josh, I thought he had a great year. Um, coming with those expectations that I talked about earlier, I didn't know really what to expect with him coming from Australia and the NBL. You, there's just not a ton of tape on him where you're really understanding how good guys are around him. But he qu pretty quickly blew away those expectations and was a really, really nice player this year and has the potential to maybe be an all-star at some point. And he can definitely be a high-level player in this league. I gave him an A. There's still room for improvement. He needs to work on his ball handling and his um, his shooting, but all in all, I thought he had a great year, and it was I was going to give him maybe a B plus, but then I thought about it, and I was like, how am I going to give him a B plus when he was Rookie of the Month for the Western Conference like 90% of the year, like all but one month. And also, his, his triple-double average was off the charts this year, especially for a first year coming in. Yeah, youngest triple-double ever. He had quite a few there. I think he had like three or four. He showed a lot, a lot of flashes, but there's definitely still room for improvement. But I think, he'll, I think he'll be fine with an A. Yeah, I think he's fine with an A, but just because I love Giddy so much, had to give him the extra plus to, to get up there. Not a, another one of your guys coming up next right here. We have Baisley. How, how do you feel about Baisley's grade? C plus to a B minus. Okay. I think that he really improved on some things where like Miles and I talked for a while about simplifying his game and finding the three or four things that he really needs to work on and focus on. And he did that. He showed off that he has an NBA level skill and shot blocking and defending, but there's still work to be done just in terms of his decision making and his shooting. But um, he definitely gave me a little bit more confidence in him compared to last year. Okay. I gave Baisley a B. I give him a B because he's not super consistent. He's very inconsistent, but he had some serious flashes throughout the year and is showing that at worst he can still be a, t a key player and a good starter on the roster. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he's going to do next year. I think overall he needs to work on consistency. I mean, you said it to simplify his game and everything. So I give ba Baisley a big fat B. Yeah, he's coming into a big year next year with a contract year. So he's definitely going to have to show out not only for the Thunder, but to show off to these other teams if the Thunder don't want to re-sign him that he deserves a long-term deal somewhere in the NBA. Exactly. So let's move on to Ty Jerome. I gave, this is my lowest grade. I gave him a D. A it D? Just, I just, Ty Jerome is fine. He just, I would rather him just sit on the bench and not really get involved. I don't really see a great outcome with him playing a lot. He's already like 26 or something like that, which is not super old, but by NBA standards is pretty old. And he just doesn't have a lot of, like, I don't know, upside in his game. And every time he's dribbling the ball out there, all I'm thinking in my head is, like, I wish Shea, Giddy, or Trey Mann or somebody else had the ball <laughs> right now. So I give him a D. We'll see what happens with him this summer. I think that he'll likely get moved. But it's solid season for him. I just wish that it could have been a little bit different. I wish he had more of a Derek Favors role of just being a cheerleader and hanging out. That's true. That's true. I gave him a C because I think it's safe to say that Thunder fans – weren't surprised by Jerome like he just kind of has been going through the motions of being on the thunder I feel like and um there's times where he steps off the bench and he's great from the three he's you know doing great with all of his shots and then there's other times he steps out the bench and it's like okay why do you have the ball why are you off the bench like so I, I feel like he was very inconsistent what was your grade for him a C yeah I think that's about right you passed but it's just like yeah you, you got by yeah Exactly, got by. So now we move to Mike Mascala. I gave him a B plus. He's sort of in the same 
vein as Derek Favors, although Mike Muscala played a little bit too good on a couple games, which is why I knocked him from an A to a B plus. Mm-hmm. Hurt the Thunder a little bit too much, but he is one of the big culture guys in the locker rooms. He's one of the few adults there. He's somebody who has talked about how much he loves Oklahoma City and he wants to retire here. I think he'll definitely be back the next couple of years. I feel like he might be the Nick Collison for this iteration of the Thunder, but B-plus all in all, he was solid. He hit some threes. He was a little bit too good, but I'll, I did enjoy the times where um, he and Shea were on the court at the same time because it made Shea look incredible. Absolutely. I gave him a C plus. I think he also brings a great culture. Like you mentioned, he's re- he has a really great veteran presence in the locker room and just an overall great team player. You know, honestly, I doubt he returns this year just to make room for incoming rookies since, you know, the Thunder is obviously rebuilding and they want those younger players. I think it might be time for Muscala to retire. I don't think he's going to retire. I don't even think he's 30 yet. He. Well, maybe not time for him to retire, but I move don't, on somewhere. I, yeah, yeah, I don't think he'll he'll stay in OKC. I, I'd be pretty pr- surprised if they don't bring him back. Okay, but that's just guessing based on like context clues and just looking at the team right now. And like we've talked about, they need veterans in the locker room. Derek Favors is going to be in his last year, and Mike Muscala is just not going to cost you a lot of money. He'll sign for the veteran minimum. There are other younger guys on the roster who you can move, and Mike Muscala is somebody who, even if you re-sign him, he's still going to have trade value at some point if you do want to move on from him, whereas there's other guys on the roster, like Ty Jerome, if you extended him, that I'm just not sure there's much you can do with him. Fair. Okay, Poku. Sort of in the Baisley category, I give him a C+. Um, he definitely improved on his body. He's still got to keep going. He uh, Poku in his first year with the Thunder was kind of polarizing. He was up and down. He was doing some crazy grid things. And he, my friend told me he has this theory that Poku in his rookie year and his second year was either the best player on the floor or the worst player on the floor. And right now we're we're getting towards the middle. He's figuring it out. He's being more consistent. You're seeing more of the flashes of good and less of the bad stuff. And it looks like the game is sort of slowing down for him. So I give him a C plus. He's definitely advancing, but there's still um, some work to be done and some improvements that he can obviously make. Absolutely. I gave him a B. I mean, we've obviously seen the consistency issues, but we... I think he has a lot of potential, like you mentioned. I feel like he has a lot of potential to be great once he really figures out how to move across the floor. Because when you when you watch him play, he's still really awkward. Yeah. Like, but a lot of these players look awkward. So does Giddy. I mean, they're still trying to find their rhythm of, you know, what it's like to play basketball at such a big, um, on such a big stage, and you know, try to make it look athletic. And that's something that I feel like he lacks is just a little bit of athleticism. Yeah. When you're playing at this high of a level against the best players in the world, who are just like nuclear athletes like Josh Giddy, if he walked into this building he'd be the best athlete by far but in the NBA he like is barely one of the good athletes it's just crazy to me but yeah I think Poku has a lot of room to go his whole reason why he got drafted was his ceiling and you knew he was either going to be boom or bust potential and right now we're still in the middle I still think that we got to give him a couple more years before we really make a decision but I'm liking what we're seeing from him there's still some I guess reason or cause for pause but I think we're on the right track. Trey, man. I gave him a B plus. Okay. Um, I probably would have given him an A if he played like he did towards the end of the season the whole year. But as we talked about, he was somebody who um, started out in the G League not really getting a lot of minutes and slowly climbed his way up, which there's definitely credit to be said for doing that and climbing your way through the roster and getting out of the G League. But there's definitely some consistency things with him. Um, there were some times where – you know, he has a great move, but he misses the shot. There were some times where he kind of gets blown by on defense. So it's a lot of consistency things for him. And he's another guy like Poku where I'm looking forward to seeing how much his body transforms going to next year. Absolutely. I gave him an A just because, I mean, like you said, like he got off the G League and then he had such a great trio with Baisley and Giddy when Shea was out. And I feel like he has so much potential to be the perfect sixth man or the shooting guard to complement this offense going forward. Um, very Lou Will-esque is what I wrote. So I, I'll be excited to see what he what he can bring. But just like the growth that I saw throughout the season, that was awesome. Yeah, that's a good point. I like the Lou Will comp. I've kind of... Um, Um, compared him to like Seth Curry not Steph Curry but his brother yeah and I like the idea of I think you're right he's uh, right now destined to be the sixth man on this team which is a great thing to have where if you take Giddy or Shea off the floor you can still run offense and have productive minutes with Trey on the floor so it's about staggering and always keeping this sounds obvious but always keeping some good guys on the floor and not just taking all your good players off and uh, Trey man helps you keep your head above water in those minutes and can get hot at any point Okay, JRE. 
I gave him an A minus. He didn't play a ton this year because he had that injury, but he started for quite a bit when he did play, and I liked what I saw from him. There's nothing flashy about JRE's game. He's just solid at everything he does. He is really smart. He shoots the three well. He guards multiple positions. He can switch. Everything I liked, uh, everything I saw from him, I liked. Um, I would have probably given him a flat out A, but like I mentioned, he just didn't play enough. Exactly. He was injured pretty much a lot of the season. So I gave him a B plus just because I personally coming in later in the season, I didn't get to see him play as much as I would have liked. Um, but I feel like he can be a key player on the defensive side, but also he's very efficient on off on offense. So it should be really, I keep saying it should be really exciting about what they're going to bring next season, just because a lot of these players were injured this year. Like the Thunder really hit it out of the park with having a lot of injured players. I mean, you had Giddy, you had Dort, you had Shea. Basically everybody. Yeah, everyone was hurt. So once everyone's back up full health, I really want to see what this team can do. No, it's not wrong to say it's interesting or exciting going to next year. That's the excitement and I guess the good thing about young players is they continue to get better, whereas you have guys who are 32, 33, and they sort of plateau or even get worse. But right now, it's just like you're looking up and you're like, oh, wow, this guy can get even better. And it'll be really, I guess, interesting, to steal your word, to see which guys get a lot better and make that jump next year. I mean, you saw guys like Baisley improve this year, Poku improve this year, Shea, and some other guys who we'll get to later. But um, yeah, I liked what I saw from JRE. Okay, Kenrich Williams. Kenrich... I gave him a B plus. It would have been an A plus or an A, but he was too helpful in some of those minutes. He's one of the few guys who's a veteran who I really want to keep around, not only for his leadership in the locker room, because he is the number one leader in the locker room. He's the guy who keeps the culture together, other than Shea. I mean, Shea's the guy on the team, but Kenrich as being that guy who's not the star player, who everybody feels like they can talk to, the assistant coaches feel like they can talk to him. Um, he's been really great for this team. He's up for an extension, I think, next year. He had really great minutes, and if this team was really trying to win, I think he would be maybe starting or just playing a ton of minutes. But Kenrich was awesome. He had some uh, trade interest at the deadline and probably going to this summer, but he said before that he wants to retire in OKC. I'm not sure that he's going to get that wish granted, but I think he'll at least get an extension and play a few more years here. Absolutely. I gave him a B-. minus. Um, I think he's done what has been expected of him and what has been asked of him this year while he was healthy. I don't. I won't say he's gone over and beyond. Like he very much like rode that middle line of what was expected. But like you said, he brings the culture, and I think that's really important, especially to such a young team. Lou Dort is next, the man of mystery. I gave him a B. Um, he really improved his scoring this year, but I thought some of his off-ball defense went down and then his just three-point shooting percentages went down. So it's kind of a give-and-take thing where it's like, oh, great, he improved his scoring and he's a much better scorer off the dribble and passing and finishing. But at the same time, what you really need from Lou Dort is to be that classic 3 and D guy who guards the other team's best player and knocks down open shots from the corners. So it's... Like I said, give or take, give and take, that you love the extra scoring, but what you'd really like to see is the consistency from three. Absolutely. I gave him a B plus just because when he is on defense, he's an alpha on defense. Like he's a big guy on the floor. He covers a lot of ground. He guards very heavily. I love to watch him play defense. He is improving his offensive game, which is awesome. But I really like just to watch him play defense. But he was hurt a lot of the season this year. So once he's healthy, um, or if he was healthy pretty much the whole season, I probably would have given him an A. Yeah, he's about to get paid this off season. We got Isaiah Roby next. Isaiah Roby is uh, the most neutral of players. <laughs> I don't think anybody who's out there is either hates or just loves Isaiah Roby. Everyone's just like, he's fine. He's very mid. That's a great way to put it. I gave him a B minus. There were some times where I was very angry with Isaiah Roby because he won some games for the Thunder when I didn't need him to. But he did his job. He made some threes. He shot like 45% from three, which is incredible for the amount of shots he was taking. This was not a low volume. I don't know if he's somebody who gets brought back just because we talked about with the sheer amount of picks that are coming in the summer. You can have up to four new guys or maybe even more if they trade down and get some more picks. I think that he's somebody who might get squeezed out of the roster, though. But I give him a B minus. He did his job and played decently well while he was on the team this year. I gave him a B plus for pretty much the same reasons. I mean, he did what he had to do. He stepped up and then he went home at the end of the day, came back, did what he needed to do. He wasn't great. He wasn't extravagant, but he didn't suck at the same time. Like he, he just really rode that middle ground. And so I think mid is just a great job. A great word. So now we move on to Theo Maladon. 
Um, I think Maladon, I think he did a decent job. I think that he kind of got market corrected or kind of pushed down the roster and mm-hmm. the minutes just by Trey Mann coming onto the scene. I think Teo's another guy who might get squeezed out of the roster or pushed down to the G League. I gave him a C. He was just fine, just like we talked about Isaiah Roby. Teo, I thought, you know, he really closed out last year playing well, and I was like, man, maybe we have this uh, backup point guard of the future, somebody who's really solid. Maybe he could be somebody like George Hill who – comes in can play on a playoff team he can play on or off the ball and defend other teams players but he just didn't really get a lot better this year he really struggled to start the year and it it was he was basically going uphill the rest of the year and just couldn't get back to where he was last year I gave him a C minus I think with incoming rookies and free agents he'll get cut this offseason sadly um but he was he was not very consistent throughout this whole season and he struggled a lot so I I I wonder if he I think he'll end up being bumped down to the G League well I've heard some other people talk about this because he's from France initially so he got drafted two years ago um Tony Parker from the Spurs was one of his like mentors I think he would really be served well if he went back to France for a couple years and really just developed and then came back as maybe a 25 26 year old with his body completely filled out and really understanding more of his game I'm not sure that him just playing in the G League or getting five minutes a game in the NBA is going to help him all that much right now absolutely and I feel like especially with a lot of these young players I keep saying it but they look so athletic so if he like goes into a nice little hibernation in France and comes back and like he can fill out his body I think that's really going to be beneficial for him okay we got Veet Crutchy next I I saved you from trying to pronounce that name (laughs) thank you so much I was going to have you pronounce it I gave him a B minus. He's coming off a torn ACL uh, where he sat out all of last year and then even sat out for like half of this year. I liked what I saw from him. He's definitely a plus size playmaker in the vein of Poku. He shot really well from the three. And I just liked his basketball IQ and he just understood where to be on the floor. He didn't do anything that was like just really, really surprising, but he constantly just made the right play and did some right things. I think as we talked about with guys who might get squeezed out, he might be one, but he's somebody who I'd want to bring back for another year, whether it be on the Thunder or the Blue, just to see what maybe is out there. I gave him a, B, a D plus. Um, I think this offseason he's going to be rehabbing his knee so much that he won't really be able to develop his game this offseason, which is kind of sad because I feel like he's not good enough to be a full-time player in the league yet, but he has that potential to be, and I just like didn't see it this season with him. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I'm glad you mentioned that he had another knee um, surgery he's going to have over the summer. They said he'll be back for training camp and some other things, so that's exciting. You can still work on some things while you're injured. Some guys come back even better shooters when they hurt their knee or legs because you just really focus on form and different things like that. But it's definitely going to hurt his athleticism, which was already hurt by another ACL injury before. Um, so I think we're on the same page here. We give him one more shot this year and see what happens and go from there. Absolutely. So Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins started out the year pretty hot, coming out of the G League. He had that great game against the Suns. I gave him a B to like B minus. I guess I'll give him a B. Um, he's a nice 3 and D player. He can create off the dribble a little bit. He can definitely guard, like we've talked about, having an NBA skill. He can definitely defend at a, a good level for just to keep himself on the floor. It's going to really come down to his three-point shooting and whether or not he can be a good enough offensive player to stay out there. I gave him an A. He was the 55th pick um, of the last draft and definitely outperformed on his spot. He's a good two-way player, but he still needs improvement from the three-way, um, three-point range. And so I think with another year of just like development in this offseason of development and maybe going to a couple summer leagues, I think he'll figure out his game more. But I just honestly don't think he had enough playing time to really figure it out this season. Yeah, that's fair. He constantly had some ankle injuries and things where he was coming in and out of the lineup. But in the minutes that he did play I thought he was solid he's not somebody who you're going to build your team around or be the second third fourth fifth option but he's somebody who can give you some nice minutes off the bench and be a role player and just understands his spots and fits well next to guys like Shay and Giddy and other guys yeah he did not look out of place at all on the thunder um but Lindsay Waters last player Lindy Waters another guy from Norman I gave him an A minus just because of the expectations he was playing in some pro league in Enid last year and then he comes in the NBA now yeah he went to Norman North went to OSU for four years and then was playing in like the Skins League or something like that in Enid and now he's in the NBA so 
I thought he gave solid minutes. We've talked about before where you mentioned his defense and he, he needs to do a lot better. That is absolutely true, but the thing he was brought in to do is shoot the ball, and I thought he did a pretty good job at that, so I gave him an A-. minus. I also gave him an A- minus because I feel like he was very electric on offense and definitely should find a large role in the Thunder's success when taking like when tanking stops mm-hmm. um, just because I want to see him shoot more. I want to see him play more in offense. Um, his defense does need, does need some good work, but his offense is good. Yeah, he's somebody who's on a two-way contract, so I don't know that you can technically say he'll get squeezed out, but I think more of his minutes will come for the, from the blue than the Thunder next year. So what is a two-way contract? So a two-way contract is a contract where you can be moved up and down from the G League to the Thunder. So if you don't have a two-way contract, they can't bring you up from the blue to the Thunder. So I think you're up to like two or three two-ways, and after a certain amount of time of two-ways, you have to be converted to a full-on contract. That's what happened with Lou Dort a few years ago. But Lindy, I see him as somebody where it's like, if we have an injury here or there, or somebody's sick, or we have a trade, and we need somebody to come in, he can go back and forth. But I don't think he's going to be somebody who's just on the team the entire year, start to finish. I agree. Okay, so the NBA draft lottery is only 12 days away. That's so exciting. Um, I know we talked a lot about tanking this season and you know trying to get that number one pick because we all hope the Thunder gets the number one pick. So if we somehow do get that magic number one, who do you want us to take? This is what this entire year has been about, is really waiting for this been. one day. I'm so nervous. I'm, there's going to be some like draft lottery party in OKC I'm going to go to. Maybe you'll go to that one. I don't know. I'll, I'll invite you. I'll send you Thank you. Or something I, I, like I that. really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, I don't know, I've, I've gone back and forth and back and forth. I went so back and forth. You can look at my notes. I feel like you never throughout the season had one guy that was so constant as who you want that number one spot to be. I, I switched through all three. I switched through all three so much that Haley, while I was prepping for this, I just wrote all three guys' <laughs> names down, and I was like, I'll just decide whenever I'm about to talk. So, I, I'm going to go with Chet Holmgren. This goes away from a lot of the principles that I believe as just like a basketball fan of like you should take shot creation and you should take ball handling and shooting a little bit more before you take big guys. But I just believe the ceiling with Ch- uh, with Chet is just so high as a guy like we just saw with Evan Mobley. He's a guy who's over seven foot who can play the four or the five. I think he can have nearly a Rudy Gobert type of impact on defense while at the same time not being a liability on offense. I think he can stretch the floor and shoot the three. He's a great playmaker and I think he just fits with the Thunder culture and just with the type of team they're building right now. What about you? Okay, I might butcher his name and I know you told me how to pronounce it, but Paolo Branchero. Paolo Bancaro. Close. Close. Okay. But Duke. All I know is he's a superstar from Duke. He's been popping off all season. He is a ready scorer, scorer who can be lethal on and off the ball. His defense hasn't been the best up at this point. But he has plenty of time to improve, um, especially since he's 6'10", which is pretty awesome. I think that would add a, some nice height to the Thunder, even though they have a lot of height already. Um, but a little bit more on the upside pick other than a surefire thing. Jabari Smith from Auburn is also really good, mm-hmm. but I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards Bancaro. Caro. Bancaro. Bancaro. I'm going to learn to no, pronounce you got his it. name. No, that's the exact thing I was talking about with Paolo. He's a guy who John has been on me all about because I just didn't think the ceiling was very high, but the more and more I read about him and watch him, I get it, and that's why I mentioned the whole thing of like shot creation. So like Paolo... He's not the athlete that Chet is, or he doesn't have the size. He's not the shooter that Jabari um, Smith Jr. is. But Paolo just has a knack for getting good shots and getting other guys involved. He has a great ball handling skill. He has a great body. You talked about being 6'10". He's like 250 already at 19, which is ridiculous. I feel like he could work really well with Giddy. Because they're both really good at passing the ball, handling the ball, you know, giving shots to other players, creating that game. So I'd really like to see him and Giddy play together. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. They both have uh, the passing thing between those two and Shea. I think you can just have the ball moving at all times at and any guy times. could handle the ball. I just worry about some of the defensive concerns because Shea and Giddy are also guys who you're like not really trusting on the defensive end. So if you have another guy who you also don't trust, you better nail those other two spots around them defensively. Yeah. Lou Dort can't guard all five guys (laughs) as much as he would like to and he'd try he would try he would try so hard he He would really put it out there for the team and that's the thing where it's like Jabari is a great shooter but 
can I teach Jabari how to play make and handle the ball like Paolo? Is that easier than teaching Paolo how to shoot like Jabari? And it's one of those give or take things. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just want to get in the top three as much as we talked about getting the number one pick. If we get in the top three, I'll be jumping up and down. I'll FaceTime you, voice text you, whatever we're going to do, and talk about how great this is. We'll go to a game next year. I'm just, I'm very excited for this draft. I've also tried to take a chill pill and like recognize <laughs> that they're probably going to fall to seven and I'm already like pre-depressed about it. So we'll see, but Hey, you got to keep the hope. Got to keep gotta, hope. Got to keep miracles optimism. Happen. But any of those three I'd be down with Jabari. We just, we kind of skid by Jabari, but he's another great player. He's somebody who's kind of in the vein of Jaron Jackson jr. Who's playing right now in the playoffs for the Grizzlies. He's a guy who can guard multiple positions on D he can shoot it from anywhere, which is awesome, but he's not necessarily somebody who handles the ball well, but that is a, very good fit with Shea and Giddy because he won't have to handle it a lot with those guys just throwing it to him. So I guess I would stick with Chet right now, but any of the three I'd be over the moon for. Okay. So Draymond Green said there in the regular season there's eighty two games players um play and then sixteen games in the playoff. I'm so sorry. I completely just butchered that. Okay. <laughs> Draymond Green said there are regular season 82-game players and 16-game playoff playoff players. How many Thunder players from this year's team, as it is, could give you minutes on the team this year in the playoffs? Sorry, that was so confusing. I I wrote that wrong. It's all good. So basically what uh, Draymond said, there are guys who are like 82 like regular season players, which Mm -hmm. you're being asked to do something different. Then 16-game playoff players, it's a little bit more high intensity and you need a little bit more weaknesses, a little bit fewer weaknesses. Yeah, exactly what he said. Yeah. So I just thought of the guys who we thought could give actual playoff minutes this year so not in the future we're not projecting but like if they said today they call the thunder guy and they're like we need you to play for our playoff team i think shay is the obvious one he and dort are the two greatest ones that just make the most sense they're veterans who know how to play they played in the playoffs they give you offense and defense a little bit they can both handle the ball shoot it giddy for his passing although i do worry a little bit of him getting like played off the floor defensively like if they target him and the shooting's not really there, but he just does enough things to just help your team and be a good uh, player to just impact winning. Kenrich is another guy who I put in there, just hustling, playing defense. He can play on or off the ball. He shoots the ball well. He's a great teammate. He plays extremely hard. This is one that might surprise you. I had JRE. Okay. I think that JRE is a solid player. He's a solid role player. He shoots a three well, like I mentioned in uh, our grades thing. He guards multiple uh, positions. He can rebound. He's a really smart player. He's not going to beat himself, and that's a big part of the playoffs is, like, sometimes you have a guy, and then you get to the playoffs, and you're like, oh, you're not smart enough to play here. Like, it's going too fast for you. Or uh, you really, it's, um, it's too complicated, or you can't shoot enough, or you get played off the floor, or people aren't guarding you. And I just don't see that with him. A guy from Villanova who's played on some really, really high-level teams, I think JRE can give you minutes. And last but not least, I don't think that you'd play a lot, but I think Mike Muscala could give you a good 10 minutes That one shocks shooting. me. He, he's played in the playoffs and he's been effective and he's not somebody who I'd be playing consistently Fair. but if you need someone who it's like hey we need some three point shooting right now to space out this game it's a little bit too packed in the paint and we need some more spacing he can come out there and fire away from three and he's going to hit a decent percentage of them and not get embarrassed too much on defense yeah I, I completely agree with a lot of those um Giddy, I mean, he still needs a lot of work defensively, like you mentioned. And once he becomes a more versatile scorer and he becomes more comfortable with shooting the ball, I feel like he would be such a great leader on a playoff team. I feel like he's definitely a five-man on a playoff team. Um, he He's great at creating a game, great at passing, great at making the game happen, but he's not going to be one to like actually you know, shoot the ball firsthand. He's going to be the one to pass it quickly, I feel like. Yeah, as is right now, he'd probably play mainly the four or point guard and just spilling it out to shooters and kind of getting out of the way. Yeah. But um, there's definitely a path for him, like you talked about, going forward. But as is, I think he could still give some nice minutes to a few playoff teams that are active right now. Absolutely. And then Shea, duh. I mean, yeah. That, that that that's not already done it in the playoffs yeah yeah trey man i put trey man um i think he like if you really gave him a shot he could be the real deal i think like because he was so inconsistent throughout the year but if he was riding one of his highs that he had he could do it 
like I have 100% belief that he could do it. I have 0% belief right now. <laughs> I think that Trey Mann, I love Trey Mann. I think he's a really good offensive player. I think he's going to be a guy who can play in the playoffs at some point. But right now, he's somebody like the Mavericks last night played, and we were talking about it before we started recording. The Suns with Chris Paul and Devin Booker just went at Luka for the entire fourth quarter and basically played him off the floor. That is exactly what happened, what happened with Trey Mann, where it's like, they catch him in a pick and roll every time, and it's like you've been switching on the ball 12 possessions in a row, and they just keep scoring on you. I think that he's got some work to do defensively, just understanding where guys are, being more aware, and then his body like we talked about. But I think there's a path for him at some point, but right now I don't think he'd get any minutes on a playoff team. Mm, we'd beg to differ. But my last one is Stuart. Stuart, obviously, he's just such a monster on defense. Like, you put him on there, he'll block. You know, he'll he'll be the tank that you need to to block some major shots. So I definitely think Dort could be on a playoff team right now. Yeah, Dort, as much as Shea is the best player on the list, I don't want to get it wrong. He's one of the smartest players on the team. I was going to say that Dort fits with literally any team. That's true. And he can play, he plays the exact role for any team. Shea, it's like he needs to have the ball a little bit more. Yeah. And if you added him to certain teams, it's like they already have playmakers, so they need him off ball more. Dort plays the same role on every single team. He's guarding the other team's best player. He's shooting threes. He's being effective. He's being smart. He's getting the line. He's scoring points. Dort might be like the most valuable playoff player they have right now, which um, you saw even a couple years ago whenever as an undrafted rookie coming up from the G League, he's guarding James Harden in the first round through Game 7. I think he had 37 points or he had 30 points in Game 7. It was the most points uh, by – it was the – he had the youngest game of 30 points in NBA history other than, like, Kobe and LeBron in the playoffs, which is just ridiculous. I think it's so interesting, you know, like, how these Thunder players are breaking these major records, yet, like, the Thunder is, like, kind of like a random team right now. Well, like, you have Giddy, and then you also have, like, Dort, who have made those things that that are being compared to, like, what LeBron did when he was younger, you know, what... Um, Steph Curry did when he was younger and so it's just interesting to see that some of it it's a one game sample size compared to if it was like an entire season of averaging a yeah. triple double or averaging 30 like some guys I'm not saying the Thunder guys just got lucky but you can get lucky and have one really good game for sure but these guys um, as you mentioned they're breaking some all-time records that have been gone for that have been going for a really really long time like Giddy and mentioned the one with Dort so it's definitely something you want to be excited about because there are guys on this team with a lot of talent Absolutely. So there's guys on this team with a lot of talent, but there's guys on other team with a lot of talent. But, you know, you wonder if they can drive a bus or if they have to ride the bus. So last last week on TNT NBA, um, Hall of Famer Charles Berkeley commented on how it wasn't so easy for Kevin Durant against the Celtics in round one. He talked about the challenge of being a bus driver versus, versus a bus rider. How many bus drivers, guys who can help, you know, lead them to a ch- lead a team to a championship who are like the best players on the floor and that can really help instead of, you know, just play. They're a great leader. Um, how many guys are there out there? I, so this yeah. is basically how many to make it more simple. The bus rider versus bus driver is the bus driver is best player on a championship team. Yeah. So the guys who I had who are already certified and proven. So guys who have won a championship as the best player on the team. So we don't really have to debate this. LeBron, Steph, Kawhi, and Giannis. They already did it. So we don't have to really talk about it. Those guys are bus drivers. In limbo, I have KD because some people say he was the best player on a championship team in those two years with the Warriors. I think he was somebody who was a little bit more carried by that team, but that's not really up for debate. He's one of those guys who I think you could win a championship with him as your best player. These are guys who are a little bit more potential because they haven't done it yet, but I think they have the talent to do it, and that's Nikola Jokic from Denver, Yes. Joel Embiid yes. from Philadelphia, John Morant, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and then I put like split between Devin Booker and Chris Paul because they're kind of like co-best players on the Suns. Um, and then the way too early, because there's no real way that I can justify this other than I think they're just really talented, is Zion, um, Cade Cunningham, and Anthony Edwards. So I think a lot of there's a lot of great players in the league. It used to be. And, you know, some of this can go up and down. There was a time where James Harden was somebody who you could have built the best team in the NBA around and won a championship, but now he's too old. There are guys who um, are still coming up, like I mentioned with Zion and Cade and Anthony Edwards, but it's definitely important to have these guys who are bus drivers who you, under, who you can identify and understand that he can take you all the way. 
Absolutely. I mean, I I have a lot of the same list. You have Giannis, LeBron, and Steph, who have already, you know, won titles. They've really led their teams to great successes. But then you have Luka. Mm-hmm. And I think Luca is just such a great player, and I think he proved that, especially through this first round. Um, like being injured and coming back and seeing what the Dallas Mavs have done with him this season has been really awesome. Um, Joel Embiid, um, he's just simply dominant. Like that's what I put on my paper. Like simply dominant. He's so good. Um, Jason Tatum. Uh, the Celtics wouldn't be the Celtics this season without Tatum. I think he's been a really key player, and he's such a great leader on the team. I also have Devin Booker, um, just because if he's gone, I feel like they wouldn't be as championship caliber as they are right now. I feel like he's definitely a big crutch for them. For sure. I mean, if you take anybody's second or first best player off, it's really going to hurt their chances. But yeah. I agree with all that. Luka, it's really going to come down to like what t- type of team they build around him. That He needs to... like give up a little bit of the rope and responsibility so other guys can thrive a little bit more you're not going to go through the playoffs and win a championship averaging 40 10 and 10 like you need other guys to help you teams like the suns are doing right now where it's like we'll just double and triple uh, triple team you and we'll get the ball out of your hands and we'll make other guys beat you and that's one of those things during the regular season you got to empower your teammates and make them better and that's something that guys like lebron and steph and Giannis, those guys do so then when you actually need them in the playoffs or the finals they're ready and they're not nervous I'm also going to kind of call out Mark Cuban. I feel like he's kind of failing at finding Luca a good second, like a good second man to always like rely on. I just feel like there's a little inconsistency there um, on the Mavs, but Luca, I mean, he's obviously consistent. But you're not wrong there. I mean, they tried the whole Kristaps Porzingis thing. He flamed out. They ended up trading him for Davis Bertans, who's one of the worst contracts in the league, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's been fine, I guess. But yeah, if you got if you get a guy like Luca who can end up being one of the three best players in the world for the next ten years, you have to get guys around him who can win. I mean, he's only like exactly. twenty three right now, and he's just dominating he's the playoffs. But it's not going to last forever, so you need to get as much talent around him as soon as possible. But I think we have a lot of a lot of bus drivers out here. Absolutely, but we have a lot of bus riders too, um, and I think we've really seen who the true leaders are on and off the court this season. Yeah, I mean, you can be the leader in the locker room, but to me, the bus driver is like when you're the guy, everyone looks at you, and it's like. Even if you play well, that's Mm -hmm. expected. You need to play really, really well for your team to win. Like Giannis will go out there, and he had a game where he had like 25, 12, and 8. And it's like, I just don't feel like he played that well. Which, in a nutshell, you're like, that's insane. You look at the stats, and you look at the impact you had on the game. But that's what the best players do, and that's why they're superstars, and that's why they're paid this much money, is to step up their game in the postseason and show why they're truly the cream of the crop as it comes to players in the NBA. I agree. I mean, who are some of your bus riders? Bus riders? Uh, so, like, good number twos. I think that Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, both of the Bucks, are really mm-hmm. solid. They're guys who are supportive, but they're not necessarily somebody who you want to be your number one guy. I think maybe the best number two in the league has been Anthony Davis when healthy. Yeah. When they had him in the bubble with LeBron, he's just the perfect number two, but he's not somebody who you want to hand over the keys of your franchise to just because of his injury history. And he's just not a great leader or super reliable, but he's a great player nonetheless. And then you have other guys like Jamal Murray for the Nuggets, uh, you have Draymond Green, who's, I wouldn't say a bus rider. He's really impactful, but he's not going to be the best player on your team. But I think it's uh, there are a lot more bus riders and bus drivers, obviously, but it's the owner's job or the GM's job, like you mentioned with Mark Cuban, to put the right guys around him, around the bus drivers to make sense, that makes sense, so you can win at that level. Because you can have some really good guys around him, but if they don't fit, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. So let's talk about X factors. So, you know... An X factor will decide, you know, if the team ends up with a ring in the finals this June. So talking with injuries, non-injuries, star players, production, coaching decisions, etc. What are your three X factors in the playoffs so far? Number one is Chris Paul's health. So I'm just going to go through a rundown of the last, like, four postseasons of Chris Paul because he is consistently injured in the playoffs, which is such a big deal for the Suns, and they're going to need him healthy if they're going to win it all. So in 2015, he pulls his hamstring in the first round versus the Spurs. The Clippers later blow a 3-1 lead to the Rockets and get eliminated in the first round. That's one injury. 2016, the next year, he breaks his hand and injures his quad and was ruled out for the rest of the playoffs. His team loses in the series without him. That's two years in a row. Uh, he 
takes a year off in 2017, but in 2018 he was back and injured again. This was in 2018, the Western Conference Finals versus the Warriors versus Kevin Durant and that team. The series was tied 2-2, and Chris Paul injured his hamstring once again and was rolled out for the rest of the series. Houston held on to get, win Game 5 before dropping the next two against Golden State, including the iconic Game 7 where Houston missed 27 threes in a row. So that is three different years, and then finally the fourth year was last year, 2021 in the first round versus the Lakers. Chris Paul injured his shoulder trying to box out LeBron on a rebound. In an interview, he said he couldn't dribble for a few days and couldn't really shoot until the next round. Chris Paul is like the, uh, I, don't know, I guess the spoon or the straw that uh, stirs the drink of the Suns. He's invaluable to that team, and you just see him like right now. Like he's been incredible this year in the playoffs. And it seems like the injury bug always bites him at the right time. So I think it's really going to come down to, for the Suns' odds, if they want to win it all, is if he's going to be healthy or not. Absolutely. One of mine is James Harden, obviously, because is he actually going to show up and play? He's not. He's not. <laughs> like, unfortunately, he is not. And if he did, like, if we had a vintage, you know, before the whole 76ers incident, I feel like he could really be so impactful. But he's not going to show up and play. He's too scared at this point. I think it's that. I think that he's just older now. He's yeah. not the same guy he was. I think he's, like, in his mid-30s. He has another hurt hamstring thing. And it's just, like, I don't know. He's just, like you mentioned, I don't know if it's scared, but he's just not built for these big moments I don't think he's even taken 20 shots in this series which is ridiculous if Joel Embiid's not going to play I don't think he's scored 25 or more in his last 12 playoff games which is like we just need more so yeah if James Harden balls out if Joel Embiid can come back then that's another conversation but right now I'm very pessimistic for James Harden absolutely next I've got can Clay Thompson turn back the clock and look like old Clay again so he played well in round one, but now he's really being challenged by the Grizzlies. In game one, he had 15 points on 6 of 19 shooting, 3 of 10 from 3, and 0 for 2 from the line. He missed two straight free throws late in that game before Ja missed the potential game-winning layup, so that was a huge one, but he lucked out. Game two, he has 12 points, 5 of 19 shooting, 2 of 12 from 3, and 0 free throws. If the Warriors are going to make it past the Grizzlies and want to win it all, they're going to need vintage clay on offense and defense. Right now, he's really just getting blown by a guy, by guys who are a lot faster than him. Obviously, he's not the same player that he was a few years ago after he's coming off a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. I mean, he missed basically three calendar years of basketball with injuries. So it's not his fault. But if they want to win it all, they're going to need vintage clay. He needs to be the guy who guards John Moran and other players. He used to be the one who would guard, uh, guard Damian Lillard or Russell Westbrook or Kyrie Irving or other guys in the playoffs. But I think... Clay Thompson is a big X factor for the Warriors. Right now, it feels like Jordan Poole is kind of taking his spot as the number two on the Warriors, but they're still going to need Clay if they want to win it. Okay, I have a hard name coming up for my number two. Um, Guinness Atin. Giannis. Giannis. Yeah. You're going to say Giannis. Oh, that's literally that's Giannis? Yeah, that's Giannis. Why, why did I never n notice him with that last name? Like, he's so good. It's not a matter of if he can perform. It's a matter of how our team's going to stop him. So far, so far Al Hor Horford mm -hmm. and Grant Williams have shut him down in the celtics Bucks series. So I really need him to step up. I really need him to play. I need him to shake off those two guys and not be shut down because we need Giannis. Like, we need him. Yeah, Giannis is great. They're putting, like I mentioned before, before, they're putting two bodies on him and they're just making him pass and get it to other guys he's really I don't know he hasn't played bad in the first two games but he shot poorly so I think that he's going to turn it around especially in Milwaukee I think they've been in this new arena for four years and they've lost two playoff games which is insane with the amount of big games they've played in but I think Giannis will definitely turn it around I will how do you pronounce his last name I was going to give you $20 if you could pronounce it <sighs> okay Atin Cole, I no, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> Giannis Atendakumbo. Oh, Atendakumbo. Oh, it's just obvious. <laughs> Atendakumbo. Like looking at it on, you know, paper looks so no, intimidating it, it compared to me, how it took me years to figure it out. I but like that. For my last X Factor, I have another thing with the Boston Milwaukee series as well, but I'm gonna go on okay. the other side and talk about the Celtics. And I wanted to focus mainly on their three point shooting. So in game one, the Celtics lose, but they shot thirty six percent from three. They went eighteen of fifty. They ended up losing by 12 game two they turn around and the Celtics shot 46.5 percent from three 20 of 43 they ended up winning that game by about 20 so this really comes down to in this Boston Milwaukee series of 
does Boston hit their threes or not? Because Milwaukee has basically said, we're closing off the paint. You're not getting easy points at the rim. There's no layups, no dunks. You guys are going to have to hit threes or mid-range twos. And the Celtics couldn't do that in game one. And then they got absurdly hot in game two. So I just wonder, which is the real one between the two? Absolutely. I mean, mine, my last X Factor focuses on the Mavs. I mean, we have Jalen Brunson, Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddle. Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie, sorry. They both produce great offense for the Mavericks when they can, but I don't think it's enough to beat the Suns. You know, the Suns are just obviously they're here to win. They're here to win the season. I mean, we've talked about that all season. Like, the heat are hot, the Suns are burning, all of that stuff. Um, but I, I just want I want them to do more. I want them to be the second for Luka, but they're just not really showing up as much as I thought they would be yeah they're playing a great team in phoenix like you mentioned they were there and they were the guys who kept the series alive against utah so it's just kind of weird that now they're sort of out of rhythm with luca back yeah so i they're definitely an x factor of this those guys can both play better because jalen brunson looked like he was on his way to a max if they just didn't play this series if he just got to go into the summer and they just pieced out but he has not played very well against the suns you definitely need one of those two guys to step up and help luca out but at the same time like i mentioned earlier with luca He's got to give it up a little bit more in the regular season so these guys feel a little bit more confident and are a little bit more comfortable. It's just kind of hard. Like I know we've had this conversation of like if I just don't pass you the ball all game and I throw it to you with two minutes left and we're down three and it's like, Haley, you need you better hit this three. I know you haven't touched the ball all game. It's hard. It's yeah. harder to do that. It's you, a lot of pressure. Yeah, you need to touch the ball every once in a while. You need to feel in rhythm. And those guys d- just don't look like they feel in rhythm a lot. So... They're definitely an X factor, but Luca's got to get them involved. But at the same time, they got to make shots. I I completely agree. I mean, Michael, this has been a great show. This has been a great season with you. I know we're about to say our big final goodbye. So, is there anything you would like to say? Wanted to thank you for doing this with me. I know this was kind of intimidating as somebody who didn't really follow basketball before. Yeah. But I just wanted to say you've done a great job, and it's been thank a lot you. of fun. Thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, hopping on this and not knowing anything about the NBA and not knowing anything about the Thunder and taking this as a huge learning experience has been awesome. So thank you for taking a chance on me and letting me host for you. It's been an awesome. It's been awesome to see your intelligence and just see how how much you love the Thunder. And I can't wait to see, you know, what you're going to do post-college because you're graduating. We got we got big plans. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but, but it's, it's going to be, be fun. Big. And I'm looking forward to covering the NBA full time. Um, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to work my butt off and, you know, make this dream a reality, hopefully. Absolutely. So thank you all so much for being such um, loyal listeners to the Thundergrads. We've loved having you. And we hope you have a great day.